Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that God expects us to love others. Jesus made an entire New Testament add-on commandment to the Old Testament Ten Commandments with that theme. Love one another as I have loved you, he said in John 13, 34, and 35. Okay, so how do we go about that? What's it look like to love others as God intended? Dr. Jennings is here via Skype to enlighten us. Our responsibility is in governance of ourselves to live our lives in harmony with how God would have us live them, Mm -hmm. irrespective of the quality of the other people. Mm -hmm. If we only love those who love us, as Jesus said, we're no better than the pagans. Mm -hmm. Because what we're looking at is our actual character. And does our integrity, our character, our honesty, for instance, are we only honest with honest people? Well, they're dishonest, so I guess Mm -hmm. I'm going to be dishonest and cheat too. So we only love people who are lovable. That is uh, how the world wants you to think, but that's not the godly principle. The godly principle focuses on us living our lives in harmony with how God designed our life to live, which is a life of love. Yes, it is easier to love somebody who's loving you because the way God designed the reality of this world to operate is that love awakens love. If someone's Mm -hmm. kind to you, it actually triggers kindness in you. But if someone's mean to you, then it triggers, in our fallen nature anyway, it triggers a sense of hurt, which then triggers fear and a desire to protect self, to to identify that person as a potential threat, someone we need to then eliminate or take action against. And so it is true, our emotions will lead us down trails where we may not act in love to people who are not kind to us, but that doesn't relieve us of the responsibility in how we govern ourselves. We are still to govern ourselves in harmony with God's design. And so the real functional question here that I want people to understand when it comes to loving others, it's not about emotion. If you think about the people who are unloving, well, just put it in this context, your own child who has stolen from you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, then I'm going to kill them. I don't love them anymore. Mm -hmm. No, you still love them. And what do you want for them? Well, you may discipline them, but what's the purpose of discipline? Because you don't want them to develop a character of a thief. You want them to repent. So you're disciplining to bring them to repentance because you love them. So even when someone does this wrong, if we have love in our heart for them, our actions are motivated toward their good. The problem with the worldview is that love is not based on emotion. Love is not based on how you feel. Love is a principle of action, which is the action to bring healing or eternal best interest of others. And in order to functionally actually do that, you have to actually have the good of others in your heart. You actually have in your heart the desire to bless them, not the desire to exploit them. But you have to have something more than that. You actually have to know God's design laws, the laws upon which he built reality to operate. You might say you have to know how reality functions. I'll give you a quick example. George Washington died of pneumonia, but when he died of pneumonia, the doctors leached him and bled him to bleed out the evil humors. Mm. Now consider the doctors had in their heart the desire to save him. They had in their heart his best interest. They had the, the human love in their heart to intervene with compassion to heal him. So their desire was the right desire, but they were ignorant of the laws of health, and therefore, even with good desire, their function was not an act that brought healing, it brought injury. Mm. 
And so there are many people today on a spiritual level that may have in their heart the desire to do good, but they don't actually understand how God's design, how he constructed reality to operate. So even though they take actions intended to bless, they actually harm. Hmm. I like the fact that you use the word function there, and you use this in several occasions in your books and on these shows, talking about other areas of interaction with people. When we think of that person as a family member, when we, when we look at that person as someone not as the other or someone out there, but someone who is actually physically and emotionally and genetically linked to us, we treat them differently than we do when they are not so linked. Am I right in saying that? We develop and identify with certain groups or individuals as people who are closer to us and therefore identified within a security zone or people that we would have greater affinity for. Yes. And so it's still driven by emotion, not driven by principle. But even within the context of human relationships, family relationships, let's give some examples of how you apply the principle I have in my heart to help, yep. but now I have to also understand how reality works or it's all harm. Grandmother is weak and struggles to walk, but is still able to walk. Is it an act of love to give her a motorized wheelchair for her home so that she doesn't have to walk anymore? That would not be an act of love. That would be the exact opposite. This is the point I'm making. If you do that to grandmother, then you are violating the law of exertion. In order for grandmother to maintain ability, she must exercise because if you don't use it, you lose it. Even though she's weak, she's still able to walk. The moment you put her in a motorized wheelchair, you infantilize her or accelerate her decline. It is not an act of love to weaken somebody, to accelerate their decline. So this idea intended to be beneficial to her so she can get around actually harms her. This is the exact kind of stuff that I'm talking about the doctors did to George Washington. Yes, we have yes, to, if we're really going to love other people, we have to be able to understand how reality works in order to intervene to truly be a blessing to them. Okay, now I'm beginning to understand this thing. When we interact with people and when we demonstrate love to people, there is a whole different set of standards that we need to be using, and that set of standards is God's design laws as opposed to what the world is saying, that's what you should do. Am I right? That's exactly right. An informed Christian is operating in harmony with God's nature, God's character, God's methods, God's principles, how he built reality to operate. This will often lead people to be unhappy with you. Grandma might be angry you didn't buy the wheelchair, but not buying the wheelchair, you've kept her mobile and active and living a more vibrant life longer and kept her alive longer okay. than you would if you got her the motorized wheelchair. Again, we're talking about somebody who still has the ability, not somebody who's paralyzed. Okay. How about if your child struggles to read or do math at the fourth grade level? Is it an act of love to pass them to the fifth grade level, even if they haven't yet mastered the fourth grade level curriculum. They're failing fourth grade. At the end of the year, do we pass them along so they don't feel left behind? Or is it an act of love to hold them back so they master the material? Which is the act of love? Yes, I would think that, that holding them back and letting them master the material is the act of love because that's going to be actually more beneficial than moving them along. Exactly correct. But what's happening in society in various places, people get moved along anyway yeah. because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And this is actually harmful to them. They enter adulthood unequipped, or they go to the next level and they only fall further behind, which only makes them feel more inadequate, which causes them more harm. So giving people more time to master the material, if that's what they need, is, is more the act of love than just passing them along. 
do you do with the alcoholic, Tim Jennings, when that alcoholic comes to you and says, if you love me, you'll give me that next drink. I am suffering here. I'm having withdrawals. I am going to die if I don't get a drink. If you love me, you'll give me a drink. How do you deal with that kind of guilt? That's like a, a five-year-old saying to the, to a parent, if you love me, you'll give me lighter fluid and matches. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, that is so obviously untrue yes. that, no, the more, the more subtle one would be you have a friend who is hungry, hasn't eaten for days because they have a serious drug problem. They won't work. They've been arrested multiple times for shoplifting to fund their addiction, and they won't get in rehab, and they asked you for money for food. Mm. Is it an act of love to give them money? Absolutely not. It is not. It is enabling the addiction. It's possible that depending on the circumstance, it could be an act of love to go out and buy them a meal or give them actual food. But even that can become damaging to them if it's a recurring problem that allows them just to divert their other resources into drugs. Yeah, true, true. This is tough. This is hard. This is how, how do we do? How do we ease this thing? How do we make it easier for us to do it? Let's keep applying some of this. You're out yeah. hiking with your spouse. Yeah. She falls and breaks a leg. Is it an act of love to splint her leg? Even if knowing when you put the splint on, it will cause her more pain. Yes, I would splint the leg. Yes. Would it be an act of love to have surgery, even though the surgery would cause more pain? Yes. Yes. Would it be an act of love to go to physical therapy afterwards? And if your spouse is crying in pain during the physical therapy, would it be an act of love to slide her off the machine and you do the exercise for her? No, no, that would not be an act of love. Now, what happens if it's not a broken leg, but a broken heart? Someone has been traumatized in the past, abused in some way, and they're hurting. Is it an act of love to focus merely on relieving their pain, or is it an act of love on focus on healing the emotional wounds? And what if you try to focus on the actual wounds to bring healing, your spouse gets angry at you and attacks you for being an abuser and alleges that you don't care because you're not alleviating the emotional pain? Well, I can see where you're going with this thing, and it's absolutely true. We have been looking at this from the wrong perspective, and I love the perspective you're saying here that the perspective of love is one that is not only loving that person now, but loving that person down the road, doing what's right for that person with the long run in mind. Am I right in saying that? So once there is brokenness, there are no pain-free options. And if you love somebody that has brokenness, your goal is not merely pain relief. Your goals are to help them heal if they're willing. But we can't force people to heal. Even the broken leg, the person can refuse it. Yeah. Okay, but we shouldn't collude with them to promote perpetual disability. Our love for them should say, hey, I know you're hurting and I'm sorry. Let's do what we can to make this as painless as possible. But the only way you're going to really be well is to stand your ground, deal with the wounds, even though it's painful. And I'll stand here with you, but you're going to have to work through that. So when God calls us to love one another, it may not be just warm and fuzzy love we're talking about. It may be love that brings pain that ultimately brings healing. So when God calls us to love one another, he calls us to love him. And in that process of loving him, is the Bible talk talk about an experience that everyone has to go through where we die to self, where we face that heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching experience where we come face-to-face with our own unconverted self, and it's a painful process. Is an act of love for God to bring us into that experience? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So it is an act of love to bring people to face the brokenness in order to bring healing. 
Is it an act of love for parents to not feed the community children so that they can feed their own children? In other words, there's a limited income. They only have so much money. Should they let their own children starve in order to help homeless children in in the community? How about a church? Should a church spend all their money and go into bankruptcy to help everyone who's starving this week? Or should they limit how much they give away to charity in order to be able to help people over the next 40 or 50 years? Yes, looking down the road, looking down the road. Does love set boundaries, even though there's still a need? Donating blood, there's a need for a blood drive. Is it a loving for you to only donate one pint a month, or should you donate six pints today and die? <laughs> yes, okay. All right, I get you. I get you. Yes. How about a nation? Is it loving for a nation to say, hey, we have a responsibility to our citizens. We can't save all the other people of all the nations of the world. We have to start with our own citizens, absolutely. These are acts of love, and so one of the first rules in caregiving is the health of the caregiver. If the caregiver becomes incapacitated, no one's helped. And so learning how to apply the principles, love your neighbor as yourself, allows you to maintain wellness over time so you can help many people. Mm. Comeandreason.com is the website, listener. You will find books that he's written on this subject with a lot of material that you would like to hear and read about. It's all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Always great, Charles. Thank you. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.